early in our marriage, my wife Laura and I, one Saturday morning, found ourselves doing a lot of home projects so that we could get done with that, go out to eat, and have the rest of the day to do fun things. And so I was in my home office working on things that I needed to get done, and she was downstairs doing things that she needed to get done. Uh, and she had to come upstairs to interrupt me a couple of times because some of our appliances were all going haywire at the same time. So she came up one time, came up two times, things were all settled, and finally getting down to get to do what some of what I needed to do. And here she comes for the third time. Kyle, I need you to come check out the dishwasher. So I'm getting frustrated a little bit. I walked downstairs, and I uttered these words to my wife. What have you done now? Never say that to your spouse. Because eventually we finished our projects, but we didn't have any fun the rest of the day, as you might imagine. Right? In our lives, in romantic relationships, sometimes we just say the wrong thing. Right? Falling in love is easy. Staying in love is hard. Staying in love is hard when you're in love with a bonehead like me. So you can ask my wife how hard it is to stay in love. Falling in love is easy. Staying in love can be hard, especially for a lifetime. And so we're in the midst of this sermon series about forgiveness, uh, uh, inspired by a really cool book by Pastor Adam Hamilton. And today we're going to focus on what it looks like to have forgiveness in our romantic relationships. With boyfriends, with girlfriends, with significant others, with our spouses. Because in those relationships that are so intimate and so full of love, we can also turn the corner and be on top of each other in ways that are stressful. And so today, if you're in a romantic relationship, if you're married, dating someone, then I hope that you will find this helpful. And for those of you who are not in a romantic relationship, and I know you're probably wanting to check out, turn off, or, or leave the room, I would invite you to stay and give it a shot. Because maybe God's message for you is there might be some forgiveness in your life that needs to happen with a former relationship. Maybe you need to forgive someone that you used to be in a relationship with. Maybe you need to ask for someone's forgiveness. Or maybe you're getting ready to enter into a romantic relationship that you don't know is getting ready to happen, and God is preparing you for the good and the bad in that. Or maybe you just know someone who is in a romantic relationship who might need some of what we're going to talk about today, and God might use you as a spokesperson. So I just want to invite you all to kind of stay tuned, and let's see what God has to teach us about forgiveness in our intimate relationships. And I think it also applies to other relationships as well, so let's see what's going on. But I think a question is, how can we live happily ever after? Is happily ever after a reality? Is it, is it just a dream that's never going to happen? How can we live happily ever after. So I want to go today to the Bible, and we're going to go to uh, some of Paul's writings in the first century. Paul was a first century pastor, writing to a lot of Christians uh, in the Mediterranean world, and he's going to write to the Colossians, these people who are, are in an area called Colossae, and he's going to talk to them about what it looks like to live in Christian community. And I think Paul's advice to Christians living in community together, like we live in community together, also applies to people who are in romantic relationships, who are in a very tight, intimate community together. And I think what Paul says is, uh, applies to what we're talking about today. So let's jump in uh, to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, we could just kind of run through that really quickly. Like There's, what, five words in there, but I want to take those words one at a time, and I want us to really think about how we live our, our intimate relationships using these words. Let's go to the first one of compassion. The act of putting yourself in your partner's shoes, of feeling what he or she is feeling. So my wife needed my help three times on a Saturday morning, thinking that her newly wed husband would be glad to help her in any situation. And he comes down and he yells at her, trying to make her feel like a fool, right? Putting ourselves in someone else's shoes. Wow, well, Laura wouldn't ask if she didn't need help. Maybe she just is, is in need of some real help. And she doesn't want to interrupt me, but it's important. And so maybe I need to kind of put myself in her shoes. What does she need from me, right? So what's next? After compassion is kindness, performing the thoughtful acts that bless and encourage your partner with no expectation for something in return, right? We do something to to bless our partners, and we don't expect something in return. Wow, Laura, I'm glad I can help you, right? And I'm not going to say, well, I'll help you if you'll finally leave me alone, right? Uh, Someone who loves someone does something kind for them and not ask for something in return. Well, I'll help you with the dishwasher if you'll make me a sandwich. That's not how it's supposed to work. Humility. Respecting your partner as a human being and seeking to put her or his needs before your own. I've got a laundry list of things to do on Saturday morning. It's all about me, right? No, it's not about me. It's about more than me. It's about my spouse also has needs. And so I need to take my needs and put them on the side and see how I can help my loving wife. Meekness, gentleness. In Proverbs it says a gentle answer turns away wrath, right? Do we treat one another in our intimate relationships gently? And finally, patience. This is Laura's characteristic for marrying me. Endurance and long-suffering. A willingness to bear with unpleasantness. Happily ever after involves patience. It's not all going to be pleasant, right? Endurance and long-suffering, a willingness to bear with unpleasantness, right? There's good and there's bad, right? But are we willing to be patient, right? So Paul writes these five characteristics of living in community together. And honestly, if we all lived these five things out in all of our relationships, there would be no need for forgiveness, But Paul also understands that we're human beings, and so he has the next verse for us. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Right? You're supposed to be compassionate and patient and all those things, but if you just can't do it, right, or they can't do it, then forgive one another. Then Paul goes on to say, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity, right? And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. I love Paul's honesty, right? These are five things you need to do to live in community together. If you can't do those all at the same time, then at least be willing to forgive each other as God has forgiven all of us. So Paul's practical. He gives us a target, but he also gives us something to do if we can't reach that target. So in your relationships, how much compassion do you have? How much patience do you have? All those sorts of things that Paul has instructed to us. How much forgiveness do we need to share with those people that we're in intimate relationships with? The boyfriends, the girlfriends, the the spouses, that sort of thing. We talked last week about how we can imagine the wrong things that we do to each other, kind of like rocks that we put in a backpack 
And the more wrong things that we do to each other, the more that backpack gets heavy. And then there were small pebbles that we throw at each other. There's medium-sized rocks. And then there's huge, big rocks and boulders sometimes we throw at each other. And that happens in relationships as well, right? One funny yet irritating thing that can happen between me and Laura, when I walk into a room, if a light's on and no one's in the room, I turn the light off. I'm like, what are we, wasting money for electricity, right? Turn the lights off. And then Laura inevitably come back into the room, Luke or Nathan's room, and she's like, I turned the light on because I've got their laundry. I'm getting ready to put it away. Why would you turn the light off, right? So all the time I'm turning lights off. She's turning them on, right? Off on, off on, right? We, and we're throwing these little pebbles into the backpack. Y'all never do that, do you, right? right? I know another clergy uh, family, uh, husband, wife, uh, and the husband is classically sloppy and leaves stuff around, and the wife is like things in its place, right? And so his desk is always a mess, and she's always cleaning up the desk. But sometimes she's thrown away his sermon that he written for Sunday morning. Sometimes uh, she's thrown out the bills that he's getting ready to pay, thrown away checks. And he's like, why would you throw that stuff away? She's like, why do you have a messy desk, right? We, we throw these pebbles into each other's backpacks. Right, not trying to intentionally harm each other, but, but those little things start adding up and we just get on each other's nerves. Do, do y'all relate to that? Choir, am I preaching to the choir here? Right, It happens in relationships with people that we're close to. What is it for you? Is it the dirty socks that are left out? You left the garage door open, right? You didn't put your dishes up, right? The little things that we just nitpick with each other, right? How do we, how do we deal with that stress? Right, I think we go back to Paul's five things that we want to target and try to be compassionate and all that kind of understanding, things like that. But I think also sometimes it depends on what do we keep track of, right? Because in my life, it's easy for me to keep track of the one or two things that Laura does that irritate me rather than look at the laundry list of the good things that she does for me and for my boys in our lives, right? right? Paul also says in 1 Corinthians 13 that, uh, that love does not keep track of wrongdoing, right? Oh, you left the light on, right? You call me out of my, my office, right? Check, check, check. How many times do we always remember the negative stuff and forget to write out the long laundry list of all the amazing things that we do for one another? Right? What, what if we treated every day like it was Valentine's Day or Thanksgiving and we really sat down and made a list of all the great things that our, our romantic partner does for us in our lives. I think we'd have a much different feeling, and those, all those pebbles that we're so worried about would, would seem to be a little bit lighter. I think another thing that we can do when we're getting on each other's nerves like that is to pray for each other and to pray with each other. Right? How often do you pray for your loved ones? How often do you sit down and, and pray with them to get down on your knees in your living room Right, or, or your home, or wherever it is, how often do we pray for each other specifically, and, and how often do we pray with each other? Right? And I think when we do that, those little things are not as annoying anymore. Right? So we've got Paul's advice to do five different characteristics. We've got a chance to, to make lists of good things and be thankful for, for what our spouses and, and boyfriends and girlfriends bring into our lives and, and to pray for and to pray with each other, right? Practical things that we can do to have stronger relationships as we want to live happily ever after. Right? But we also know it's not just pebbles that we're throwing in backpacks, right? There's bigger rocks, those medium-sized rocks where we harm each other, right? Where we say hateful things to one another, where we disrespect each other. Sometimes we're dishonest, like literally lying to our spouses, and it's just driving a wedge into our relationships. Right? Sometimes we, we embarrass our spouse in public on purpose. Let me tell you what they did to me, right, in front of all your friends. Right? 
I think you all know what it's like to have medium-sized rocks thrown at each other. And I want you to think about the backpacks that we've got on with all of these, these wrong things that we do to each other, the rocks that we're throwing in there. And think of it, instead of a backpack, what if we turned the backpack around and wore it on our front? You ever seen people wear the backpacks on the front? I see kids at school do that. They have one backpack on the back, one backpack on the front because they've got so many books and stuff to take to school, right? Imagine the wrong things that we do to each other. I'm throwing a rock in Laura's backpack. She's throwing a rock in mine. We're wearing it together. What happens if we try to go to embrace each other? We can't do it. Because all that junk between us is piling up and piling up and piling up, and we're just bumping right, rocks into each other, and we can't embrace each other. You ever feel like that in relationships, right? That's no place to be. That's not a, a fun place to be. And so ultimately, I think we have a choice. Either we're going to respond with mercy or we're going to respond with justice, right? I'm going to forgive you or I'm going to, I'm going to make something out of this. And for a lot of us, we translate justice wrongly into revenge. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you. You put a rock in my backpack, I'm going to put a rock in your backpack. And we go back and forth and back and forth. I'll show you. No, I'll show you. And pretty soon those backpacks are so big that we have no chance of loving each other. Right? You know what that feels like? So how do we deal with that? We go back to Paul's five points. We, we do that. We go back to remembering the good things about one another. We go back to praying for each other, praying with each other. And also would challenge you to, to remember what we talked about last week, the word repentance. Right? It's a huge part of forgiveness. Right? Repentance means to, to have a change of heart, to have a change of mind so that we can have a change in our behavior. Right? It starts in our hearts. It starts in our minds so that we can change our behavior. Right? If, if we're carrying around a lot of pebbles, we're carrying around a lot of medium-sized rocks, and our relationship is suffering, then we have to, at some point, face repentance. And there's four steps in repentance. Let's check this out. The first is awareness. We have to be aware that we're hurting our loved one. I, I, I harmed Laura. I hurt her feelings. I, I disrespected her. I have to be aware of her feelings and how I've made her feel, right? After that, right, is regret. Not, not only am I aware of it, but I actually care about what I've done. I'm, I'm, I'm sad that I've made my wife upset for whatever it is that I've done, right? I, I, I'm not, I don't just know about it, but I, I truly have regrets about that. And then the third is confession. This is a hard one. This is where you go to your loved one, go to your spouse, go to your boyfriend, girlfriend, and say, I am sorry. I have hurt you. This is the way that I've hurt you, right? We are specific about that, and we confess that. That's a very difficult thing to do, but it is necessary. And then finally, change, right? That's what repentance is, is to turn around, right? To change our mind, to change our heart so we can change our behavior. I'm sorry I did this, sweetheart. I'm going to do my best not to do that again. I'm going to respect you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to treat you better. Now, folks, we can't do this without Jesus. <laughs> you, you can't do repentance without Jesus. We're not strong enough to do it without Jesus, right? That, that's where the prayer comes in and all that kind of stuff. Right? But these four steps are instrumental, right, in trying to restore and reconcile those relationships. Now, here's a warning, though. Sometimes we don't want to do repentance because sometimes we like to carry a grudge around. We like that they threw a rock in our backpack, and we're going to throw a rock in their backpack. And we like the feeling of having a grudge. We like the feeling of making someone else hurt. And if you're there, that's a very dangerous place to be. And I would just encourage you to really think and pray about that and ask God right, to help you turn away from that. It's, it's not good.
good to harbor grudges. It's not good. It will ruin relationships. We got five things Paul calls us to do. We can make mental lists of the good things that that our spouses and boyfriends and girlfriends do for us. We can pray for, we can pray with, we can repent, right? Four steps, A-R-C-C, arc, big arc. What about those big boulders? Those big rocks that we throw into the backpack. I'm talking the bad stuff, like abuse, physical abuse, psychological abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. I'm talking infidelity, like I'm talking affairs, like cheating on your spouse, cheating on your boyfriend, girlfriend, the ultimate form of betrayal. How do we deal with that? I think we do all that we've talked about. We do Paul's stuff. We do the prayer. We do the listing, the positive things. We we do the repentance. But you're going to have to throw in a lot of time with that. And oftentimes it's going to take some outside professional help. It's going to take counseling. It's going to take spiritual counsel, spiritual direction. You're going to have to invest in this because those rocks are so heavy that we just can't do that on our own. And it's not going to be an easy or an instant fix. But we're going to find out how much we value that relationship. In some cases, forgiveness is going to happen and the relationship is going to be restored. It can absolutely happen. Forgiveness is going to happen and the relationship can be restored. And in some cases, forgiveness is going to happen, but the relationship will end. Especially when behavior continues that is that is that is bad. I don't think God wants us to stay in a relationship where we continue to be abused and abused and abused and abused. We might have to forgive the abuse, but we don't have to condone it. And if we need to remove ourselves from the situation, I think God doesn't want us to be in an ongoing abusive relationship. So sometimes the relationship is saved and forgiveness happens. Sometimes the relationship is not saved, but forgiveness can still happen. We're going to talk next week about how do you forgive someone when they don't repent, when they're not sorry. Are we supposed to do that? We're going to talk about that next week. But for now, I'll give you kind of a cheat sheet. Sometimes we do have to forgive people who don't ask to be forgiven. doesn't mean the relationship's going to be saved. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. I've seen relationships survive all that. Abuse, I've seen them survive. Affairs, and I've seen them also not survive that. I have a very good friend whose wife cheated on him they got a divorce. They have a, a young daughter, right? She wasn't even in kindergarten yet, and it broke his heart. It, it took him over two years to get to a place to where he forgave her. And he was going to church. He was in counseling. Right? He was doing all the right things, but it was such a deep wound, right, that the relationship was not going to be saved, but, but his soul was able to be saved in the midst of that, and he was finally able to forgive her. In the midst of that, even as he's going to church, like things in church bothered him, like King David in the Bible, right? This great king of God had an affair. And my friend still gets mad about King David. He's like, how can he be a, an instrument of God, right? But, but David is. And so he really wrestles with that. But he has found his peace through the power of God and forgiveness. So we've got backpacks. We've got pebbles. We've got medium-sized stones. We've got huge boulder-type stones. Falling in love is easy. Staying in love is hard. Forgiveness is essential. So what? what's the point? What's the takeaway? What's the big idea today? This is what I think it is. Happily ever after is not a fairy tale. It's a choice. Happily ever after is not a fairy tale. It's a choice. It can happen. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. Everything's going to be rosy all the time. 
But happily ever after is not a fairy tale. It's a choice. It's how we choose to love each other. Love is a choice. Love is an action, right? And so in our relationships with our boyfriends and our girlfriends and our fiancés and our spouses, right, we need to practice those five words that Paul told us about. We need to make those lists of the great things that our spouses do for us and mean to us. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray with each other. We need to practice repentance, right, where we are aware, we are regretful, where we confess, and where we ask God to change us. And we do all those things. And that's how we find happily ever after. And so I would boil it down into the six words that we introduced last Sunday. I am sorry, I forgive you. That's the secret, right, to the relationship. Falling in love is easy. Staying in love is hard. Forgiveness is essential. I am sorry, I forgive you. Now listen, y'all, I've been married for 17 years on June 19th this month. And I was dating my wife for one year before that. So we've been together for 18 years. If anybody on the planet can stay with me for 18 years, there's hope for you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> if anybody as special as my wife, Laura, can stay with a bonehead like me for 18 years, there is hope for you. Because we've done a lot of forgiving. A lot of, she's done a lot more than I have. A lot of forgiving. Staying in love is, falling in love is easy, staying in love is hard. Forgiveness is essential. I am sorry, I forgive you. You can live happily ever after if you choose to forgive. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.